You're listening to Ask Nurse Alice, presented by Nurse.org, where Alice Benjamin combines no-nonsense advice with thought-provoking interviews. I used to work as a medical surgical nurse, and we were just told we were now going to be a COVID unit. We didn't have an option, so that was a shock. No textbook, no nursing course, no nursing instructor ever prepared me. For this. It was very stressful because we didn't have enough supplies. There was the PPE shortage. We're like, you know, we're nurses. Why, why are we wearing cloth masks? We need surgical masks. We need N95s. We need, you know, gloves. We need all of these things, face shields. We need these things. It came to a point where uh, I would see some of my coworkers stapling their face masks because we didn't have enough. I mean, I had to take care of patients, so whether or not we had the right um, equipment or protection, I was still going to do my job. And so it was scary to know that because I am there to take care of people, I might get sick. We're caretakers to a fault sometimes, you know. It took a while. We, we had no idea that we would need PPE as badly as we did. We weren't prepared. Nine or ten months later, we're still reusing those masks. And the masks are designed for single use. We're using them for an entire day and then saving them, getting them like cleaned and reprocessed, and then six days total. It's scary. As always, it's a pleasure for me to join you as we talk about anything and everything that impacts nursing, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't already, please make sure to subscribe, like, rate, and leave a review for the show because your input matters, value what you have to say. Speaking of what you have to say, guys, it's been one year since the World Health Organization designated this as a COVID pandemic. So much has happened since then. Unfortunately, so many lives lost, so many people are sick, you know, people have lost their jobs, lives forever changed, moments that we can't get back. And on the flip side of that, so much innovation. We've come up with medications, with treatments, we've pulled through to the other end of this, but so much that's happened in between. And it's important that we don't forget these very, very important stories. And I'll just share real quick. And I think I've shared this. I think one of my most touching moments uh, around COVID-19 is, and you guys know that I work in the ICU and the ER, right? That's my jam. I love doing it. I wouldn't change a thing, even though I don't get to go to the bathroom. I don't get to eat lunch. You know, those type of things. I love caring for people. But I remember doing this extra shift at a small community hospital because they were in need. And let's be honest, there were some incentives for us to work even when we were tired because people just needed it. I mean, so many people were sick and they were dying. But I worked, went to this small community hospital. I was working in the ICU. Mind you, it's my first time there. You know how that is when you're new to a unit, learning where everything is, learning their charting. But I was in the ICU at the small community hospital. Literally, when I arrived, my two patients were so, so, so sick. I had a patient that uh, went into cardiac arrest. We're doing everything we can to to save this patient. And unfortunately, he didn't make it. It was already heart-wrenching for me. I, then I had to communicate with family and all of these things. I had to, family only spoke Spanish. And I will, of everyone on the unit, I spoke the most Spanish. And so I have I didn't have a translator readily available. And I had to communicate to their 16-year-old daughter who was the only English speaker in the home. And literally, as soon as I hung that phone up, I'm already crying. The nurses around me are crying. We're all crying because it was a very sad moment. I hear, we hear code blue overhead. And then I see the team like coming down, bagging a patient, coming down the hallway. 
And literally like, Alice, you're getting this patient. And I'm like, I just had a patient. He's still in the room. He's still connected. Alice, we got to move him. We, we, we have this patient in the hallway. And then here I am trying to take care of this patient. So we didn't have any other ventilators. So we had to quickly move my other patient. And this gives me chills telling the story, but we had to take the ventilator, clean it very quickly and give it to this other patient. His blood pressure started dropping. We were running out of medications. The medication that was ordered, we didn't have anymore. So I'm, I had this, this interaction with the pharmacist like, hey, we don't have any more Levofed, give me Neo. You don't have an order. I need to save this patient's life. And it's like, just I remember all of these things and it just really broke my heart. And But it's something that for my mental health and wellness and for the sake of teachable moments, it's important that we talk about stories like this. And I'm not the only one, guys. I'm not the only one who's experienced something like this. So many healthcare professionals have. And, you know, but where do you go to hear these stories? I mean, other than the people that you currently work with who probably know your story because they worked with you. Where do you go to hear the stories and experiences of other healthcare professionals? Well, here today, we have a special guest who's done just that. He is an award-winning documentary filmmaker, digital content creator, TEDx speaker, someone who has done an amazing job at collecting stories around COVID and entitled it COVID Confessions. Now, this gentleman, he is founder of the Fisher Media Group. He's done so many other creative work. He's done a lot of other special stories and pieces that we're going to get into as well as he's tapped on other populations, other you know situations, but just being such a great creator at collectively piecing together stories um, so people can share. And so I'd like to invite to the conversation, Alex Fisher. Alex? Hey, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. I have to say, you've been doing film, digital work. That's your passion. That's your jam. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came into your interest with doing this particular project, COVID Confessions? Yeah. I mean, my my background, like you said, I'm a filmmaker, the founder of a media company. And it was something that, you know, with COVID, all of our client work for our media company was gone. Uh, We lost all client work. There was nothing coming in. So I spent a lot of months figuring out how to pivot and and what to work on next. And I decided that I wanted to do a short film on nurse and teacher stories from the pandemic. Uh, I think I saw, you know, certain news organizations were covering stories. There were op-eds that were out in the media, but they all were very, I thought they weren't as deep as I would like them to be. And a lot of them were focusing on the trauma within the workplace and not on the effect that it had external to the workplace. And it didn't seem like there was a lot of features beyond that. So I started with the intention of making this short film about the stories and it quickly spread into a series highlighting industries beyond nurses and teachers. It it was a very organic growth with people being like, you talk to nurses, you should also talk to theater professionals or people from the wedding industry. And I said, okay. And I jumped in. I'm glad that you did. And obviously as nurses and healthcare professionals, we're on the front line, but like, you know, you just alluded to, we weren't the only ones that were impact, you know, you, you, know, you saw us on the news, we we're, you know, saving lives and doing these things, but COVID has been able to come in and impact so many people. And I think so, like, you know, those were the stories that weren't told. The nurses and the doctors, although, you know, nurses, we were often kind of the unsung heroes. We hear a lot about doctors. For once we felt like we were talked about, but you're right. What about the other people who were impacted? So yes, nurses, 
but the wedding planner, the flower shop owner, the restaurants and things like that. But you took a deeper dive. How did you select the people whose stories you were going to highlight? And what was that approach like? How, how, what was that ask or request to the person? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think another important note is that a lot of the pieces that I saw that were on nurses, it was live video from the hospitals. It was sort of in the moment, very action-oriented live reflections. And with this piece, I wanted it to be a formal sit-down interview. I wanted it to feel like I was really listening with no distractions to the people I was interviewing. And so I think that was what made it different than all the other things I'd seen on the news was it was this intimate moment where we could sit down with the different nurses and really have them feel completely heard and completely listened to, which I think was part of both the interview process and also the healing process for the people I reached out to. I decided to reach out to, within the nurse episode specifically, I wanted to make sure there was a diverse range of nurses. I wanted to make sure different fields, different experiences were being highlighted. I mean, as you know, the nursing industry is, there are so many different specific jobs that you can have as a nurse. Uh, and outside the ICU, outside the emergency room um, that I didn't feel like were being talked about either. And so even within the nursing episode, within this series, I made sure to get a cardiology unit nurse. I made sure to get, you know, level one trauma center, emergency room, ICU staff, uh, pharmaceutical nurses. I mean, across the, the board, I wanted there to be represent, representation, both uh, career-wise and also background-wise. And I'm glad that you took the nurse out, uh, out of the the action, right? Not on the units. Like you said, those action shots, they're hanging IVs, they're doing this. They're in the moment, like they're so focused on that. And sometimes that adrenaline is rushing and, you know, it's not that we don't feel, but we have to stay focused. So sometimes we will set aside our feelings, whether we're sad, hurt, like in disbelief, I got to save this person's life. This like, I have to focus. And we kind of hang our, our feelings at the door because we, we have to stay laser focused. But in that moment, you had a variety of people come and they were able to sit one-on-one -on -one with you and with, you know, with the crew, whoever's filming and tell their stories. I can imagine that there must've been like a flood of emotions, um, not just for the person saying it, but the folks listening to it. I mean, like even your editors, what was that like hearing these stories from a personal account yeah. Well, first of all, full transparency, uh, <laughs> based on COVID influencing our company's budgets and all that, uh, this was solely filmed, edited, created by me, uh, just by myself. And so that also helped with distancing when we did the shoots, because it was really easy just to have me and one other person, the, the interviewee, come in and, and be able to follow COVID protocols and, and have that safety measure in place, um, both with distancing and all of that kind of stuff. So. It was really emotional. It was, I mean, you are literally sitting down with folks who have been on the front lines and hearing their traumas and hearing traumas in a way where some of them haven't really been asked these questions before. And so it almost felt like a therapy session for a lot of these interviewees because they've never had someone sit and ask them to reflect on their experiences this past year. And, and you know, when we started going back into March and, and started going, you know, let's go back a year. And, and what was that like for you? There were a lot of tears. There was a lot of emotion because a lot of them to survive and to make it through just bottled it all up and, and had to push it away and not process it. I can relate to that. I, at the top of the show, when I was kind of having my own accounts, I kind of 
almost cut that story short a little bit because I could feel the emotions bubbling up. Now, mind you, this has been months ago. And I probably need therapy. Well, we all probably need therapy. Let's be honest, guys. I mean, we've not experienced anything like this world pandemic. Each time I've been able to tell the story, it's been a little more therapeutic for me. And I'm hopeful, and it seems like the people who listen to my story get each time get a better understanding of what those work conditions were like, what that must have felt like to be in my shoes. Because fortunately, not everyone has had experience with COVID, right? Fortunately, hopefully, people there are people who've not been become sick, or maybe they don't know anyone who's personally become sick. Although that's probably hard to believe, but you know they've not experienced some of that kind of life or death experience that I felt. So I've been able to share my experience through storytelling. You've also talked to other people who didn't work in nursing. And how it's changed their lives. What was it like hearing their stories? Kind of like the everyday citizen story. Yeah. And I think, I mean, something that's been really fascinating is even folks who have been on the front lines, whether they're nurses or grocery workers or, you know, restaurant workers who were sort of forced into their, into keeping their jobs. Almost everyone was like, I don't know if my story is worth telling. There's always been this hesitation with almost every person of, am I worthy? Is my story worth listening to? Which for me as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, it's like, yes, like everyone has an individual unique story. And I could interview 10 people who all work at the same company on the same shift at the same day, and they'd all have unique perspectives because we're unique individuals as humans. But yeah, for the series, it, it went beyond nurses and teachers. And I've been able to interview now over 100 people across 15 different industries. And the momentum's continuing. And so I'm going to try to keep going with the project for the rest of the year and see if I can, you know, get 300 interviews with 40 different industries. Yeah, it's it's been a really diverse range of, of employment situations. I've talked to people who are grocery workers, people in the wedding industry, drag performers like drag kings and queens. I've talked to, you know, folks who are in the fashion industry or who are beauty professionals, small business owners. And some of the episodes that I'm hoping to film, you know, I really want to do an episode on kindergartners or stay-at-home parents and, and just to get their perspectives. Because I think even if you don't think you were impacted by the pandemic, you were impacted by the pandemic. I mean, that's the beauty of the collectivism that's come out of this year, I think, in all the trauma that's existed is everyone's been touched by it. And I think we can come together and collectively grieve and collectively heal together. I don't know if we're doing a great job at that right now, but I think that's what needs to happen. Right. It's still important to hear what our fellow brothers and sisters around the world have, have experienced. Like, for example, I don't have any friends that have any kindergartners. They're either really, really young or really, really old yet. But I would be interested to know from a kindergartner's perspective or from a parent of a kindergartner, what has this been like? And part of it is because I want to I want to better understand what other people have gone through because I have my own traumas and I I want to be considerate of the other, you know, other traumas or how other people have been impacted, because I think that's part of the healing process. So I think you're spot on with finding people of different, you know, outside of nurses and teachers and all of the other folks that you mentioned, because, you know, it's important to understand other people's stories and their experiences, because, you know, we will eventually get to see each other and be together again in the near future. The economy is starting to slowly open up, but I want to understand what people's experiences are. Where can people go to watch your your programming? And 
what if there's someone who's listening that says, you know, I would like to tell Alex my story because, you know, now that he's told me that my story is worthy of being heard, which by the way, guys, it is. How could people, you know, tell their stories through you? The, the easiest method of watching this would be on YouTube. Hopefully, if you search COVID Confessions and Fisher Media, you'll be able to have those pop up. Um, you can also find them on my Instagram as well, at, at Fisher Media. For folks who want to tell their stories, I'm chill, still trying to find a way to do sort of a, a crowdsource of stories. I think for what we're filming right now, if you're in sort of the Twin Cities region or the, the Midwest region, we're filming here within the Midwest in Minneapolis. And so obviously with the style being sit down, a very intimate setting, we'd ideally like folks to be in person if possible. And so I'm trying to figure out how we can open it up to a broader audience while still keeping that same style or a similar style. But yeah, I think if you know anyone in the Twin Cities region or in the Midwest who'd be interested, I'm, I'm more than willing to connect and see if we can plug you in. I've got a lot of hopefully momentum with, with some interesting new topics coming up. Um, there are so many different industries that I'd like to explore. Librarians, TSA agents, flight attendants. I mean, there's so many, so many industries that have been impacted and so many people who have either lost their jobs or been forced into jobs because they, <laughs> they don't qualify for unemployment if they, if they quit. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to diversify that uh, moving forward. Oh, I'd say when you, when you mentioned those examples, like, oh, I'd want to watch that one. I, I definitely would want to see that. So I definitely know that you're on the right track. And part of it is I think we, as just the human race, we have a natural curiosity of also wanting to know how this has impacted other people. These are people which we, you know, could potentially take care of. These could be our neighbors. These could be some of the people in your very own family. So hearing their stories in a very looks like an intimate setting, allowing someone to just say how they feel. And I've watched some of them and I can't forget, remember her name, but she's an ER nurse. But when she told her story, um, I, I could feel, I could feel her pain. Although, and I, I think it's important to acknowledge your feelings and when you can relate to someone, relate to them. So that's part of the, the healing process. Thank you so much for creating that type of programming because we, we need to see those. We need to start our healing process. If someone is watching these and they're like, you know what? I really love the work that Alex is doing. I want to support him. Is there a way for people to do that as well as they're watching some of your work? How can they support a COVID confession so they can see more and more of this happen? Because I think we're going to be in this for a while, Alex. I think we've got a lot of stories to tell. Yeah, and I think... I mean, it's interesting because, first of all, I think the, <laughs> if this can act as a catalyst for people realizing that their own stories matter and they have agency to tell those stories, like it would be a dream for folks to watch this and feel empowered to tell their story in their own way, in their own medium, whether that's social media, whether that's talking with friends and family and opening up a dialogue, whether that's reaching out to an elected official that represents them. I think, you know, sharing these stories is how we're going to cultivate empathy between each other and and whether that's through this series that I'm producing or if it's just everyday on the ground conversations, I think that's important to acknowledge that all of those are valid and important for getting us forward. But I think, you know, reach out, you know, send an email, send a, a DM on Instagram and, and ask how you can plug in. I think sharing the stories, sharing the episodes and letting people see it and, and resonate with it, that's important. But yeah, let me know if you want to get plugged in and I'm I'm open to collaborating and, and opening those possibilities because there is a lot of momentum like you said and and you know moving forward this started as a reactionary series it started as you know what's happening right now like let's let's reflect on what's going on and now that the vaccine's coming out and people are are more optimistic i would say 
it's become much more reflective and much more healing through reflection. And so, you know, maybe we will be filming this for another two years and we'll, you know, get 50, 60 episodes out there. I just think if we don't capture this moment in history in a way that's authentic and really respecting and honoring the folks who are going through the trauma, I think that we're going to lose these stories. And so that for me is at the core of why this is important is because we as a society and as a world, like as much as it's traumatic, we need to remember what happened and we need to remember what people went through. Thanks for listening to Ask Nurse Alice. Visit nurse.org for nursing career, education, and community resources.